Our 2021 team preview series begins with the Milwaukee Brewers. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, February 2nd. I'm Al Melkier, and I am joined here by Michael Beller. And Michael, are you ready to kick off our team preview series? Absolutely. I am ready here. 30 episodes taking us through mid-March. This is the first one, and uh, starting with, you know, maybe not the most interesting division in baseball, but I think an interesting team nonetheless. Very interesting team. And, uh, you know, maybe some moves to come, but we'll find out more about that uh, very, very shortly because we are joined here by the Athletics Brewers beat writer, Will Salmon. Will, really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the driver's seat here and uh, joining us for the very first team preview of 2021. No, I've been looking forward to it, guys. You guys do an awesome job with the show. I'm a daily listener, so I'm excited to get going. All right. Well, then get going. We shall. Although I will say thank you for listening to the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, there are some really interesting storylines with the Brewers going into this season. And I think we really do need to start with the hitters because going into 2020, it seemed like the offense should have been uh, certainly a strong point for the team. And anybody who was really expected to be a major contributor fell far, far short of their expectations, uh, not not the least of which would be Christ- Christian Yelich. Uh, but Keston Hira, Avisael Garcia, even no Omar Narvaez, uh, all really underperformed in 2020. So what do you know about the the team's plans to address uh, the offense and particularly for those players who really came up short last year? Well, I think you nailed it, Al. With the Brewers, there was so much expected out of those guys that you named, particularly at the top, of course, for Christian Yelich, that goes without saying, but also Keston Hira and Avisel Garcia and Omar Narvaez, for that matter. And just to touch on Avisel Garcia real quickly on that note, his numbers were not great any, any way you slice it. If you go on his Savant page or on stat, his StatCast numbers, you see a lot of blue on that screen, right? Which tells us, you know, the, the, bar- the barrel rates weren't there. Uh, the hard hit contact wasn't there. Nothing really jumps out at you aside from maybe the sprint speed, which is kind of surprising because uh, of his size. But he, that's always been one of his things. But just on his bet, the barrel rate for him was, I think, something like around 3.8 or something like that uh, percent, like a fraction of what it usually is. He's usually like around 11 or 12. And I mean, that just tells me that that has to be an anomaly. Like, I mean, just the guy's been around the league a long, been around baseball a long time. Um, for him to have that low of a barrel rate, just he just never really got going. Uh, I felt like his uh, exit velocity was fine at times this year. Like he was hitting balls hard, wasn't really hitting a whole lot of soft contact. Um, just like a lot of ground balls at third base, sort of thing. Some at points in the season, he just never really got going. And I thought the slug in particular from him was really surprising. He just didn't have it. He just didn't show any power in 2020 whatsoever. So. Uh, I mentioned him and Kane at the same time because they shifted Garcia to center field. And depending on who you talk to around the Brewers, they will say that that took a lot of energy out of Garcia at times, especially like late, later into the season. Sure, it was only a 60-game season, but you're asking him to do a lot in center field. He's a bigger guy, and he's not used to playing center field. He did it adequately. He was fine in center field, but their argument was maybe it took something away from his bat. 
I can buy that to an extent, especially when you look at his career numbers. Uh, they just weren't there. So I, all that to say, you know, if you're interested in somebody who's going to probably play a, a heck of a lot still, unless they make a drastic change, um, he, he's not. He's worth taking a chance on just because of his career numbers, um, what he was able to show in 2019, and the fact that he's probably going to play a whole lot. So he, he's one name that jumps out at me as sort of like a non-obvious guy that that could have some reason for a bounce back. Early ADP numbers suggesting that really all those key Brewers hitters, Yelich, Hira, Narvaez, uh, and uh, and Arvaisiel Garcia could all be uh, big bargains. Two guys who we know aren't necessarily going to be bargains, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, the top of this rotation looking strong coming into the season. Uh, bottom two guys in the rotation, we're expecting Adrian, Adrian Hauser, excuse me, Eric Lauer, probably not fantasy guys on our radar at the start of the season. In the middle, we find Josh Lindblom, who struck out a lot of guys, missed a lot of bats last season, had a little bit of an imit, uh, of a limit excuse me, on the innings that he was able to go. Should we expect to see the Brewers stretch him out a little bit this season? Yes, because it, it wasn't really about the Brewers not wanting him to go longer. It was just that he just couldn't throw strikes at certain points of games. He fell behind a lot of guys and counts, and that just led to a lot of walks, uh, more than they envisioned from Josh Lindblom. And I, I feel like he's going to figure that part out. We saw some good reasons to to believe that he will late in the year i think his last say 13 or 14 innings pitched i don't think he issued a walk uh there was a, a blip on the on that um stretch at the end where he, he wasn't as refined with his pitches uh, i believe it was against the cardinals but he was he looked a lot better after they had him go to the bullpen for about two games he came back into the rotation had a had a couple of nice games before that last outing where things weren't as crisp but i think for him and coming coming back to the united states from korea you know he's a guy who has six maybe seven pitches that he could throw and one of them was new one of them was a slider um, that the brewers had him throw a lot more and it was a good pitch for him for the most part. But my point is, is that he needed, he needed to learn, hey, I don't have to use all six or seven of these pitches every single time I'm out there. I don't have to be too cute with them either. I can go to the mound with two or three of my best and attack and go after guys. And I think that's what we're going to see more out of him in 2021. At least the Brewers hope so, and he, and he believes so. And so I feel like you mentioned the uh, whiff numbers, strikeout totals. Michael and I, and I feel like that was kind of a surprise, but at the same time, you know, the fastball has some good spin to it. Uh, so does the curveball. Uh, the split fingers a plus pitch for him. So, you know, there's some things to like about him, and and I, you know, he's somebody that, you know, I would tell my friends in fantasy like, hey, go for it, take a shot on him. Quick follow-up here on the starting rotation. You say you listen to the show every day, so have to imagine you're a fantasy player yourself. Uh, right now in this early uh, draft season, we've got Corbin Burns in the starting pitching ADP ranks, sandwiched in between Tyler Glasnow ahead of him, Zach Plesak behind him. That feel like a fair spot to you? Yeah, it does. I feel like I feel like there's some question marks um, with somebody like Glasnow as far as maybe like how many innings he'll give you. Um, that's probably like a fair criticism for him. And at the same time, you know, Corbin Burns has just done it this one year. And so that one year was, you know, what top five Cy Young mm -hmm. quality stuff. So, uh, you know, that, that makes sense to me because he's in that sort of tier where there's, there's a few guys that you're, you're banking on the upside. Right. And I feel like with Corbin Burns, the, the changes that he made to his arsenal arsenal are for real. I mean, he, he became a different pitcher than he was even in the minor leagues where, you know, he was getting by a lot with a four-seam fastball slider type. He added so much. I mean, he's got a cutter, a two-seamer, you know, two-seamer, 
Um, you can throw the change up a little bit now too. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like there and, you know, people will say like, okay, well, he's kind of shown his hand a little bit. Um, and because of what, you know, th these changes aren't going to be new, new now in 2021, but the counter argument to that is that he really didn't show a whole lot because we're, we're only talking about 50 something innings and, you know, there, there's more to it than probably what he's shown. And, and those pitchers that those pitches that he introduced in 2020, they're probably going to get better. I mean, those, those are, you got to keep in mind, those were the first time that he was throwing a couple of those pitches. And so you would think that he, he would master them or get close to making them even better. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot to like there. Um, he was always good in the minor leagues. And when he came up originally, he was good. And he just had that really nightmare season in 2019. But I, I feel like he's done enough to, to warrant um, that sort of tier that, that, you, that you had placed him in. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's take a look at the bullpen now. Obviously, Josh Hader enters not only as the locked-in closer, but arguably the very best relief pitcher in baseball. If someone's going to push him for that title, and not just closer, just best relief pitcher in baseball, he's probably not going to have to look too far. It could be defending Rookie of the Year and teammate Devin Williams, a 0.33 ERA, a 0.63 whip, 53 Ks in 27 innings. The dude was absolutely electric, totally shut down out of the pen a season ago. But in fantasy, we still care very much about saves as great as Devin Williams can be on a batter for batter basis is he going to have an opportunity to get saves absent an injury to Josh Hader I don't see it quite yet now the Brewers bullpen is always interesting because you never really put anything past Craig Council and the brain trust there with how they're going to utilize guys and you know maybe we'll see one guy for two innings and then we won't see him again the next day and I guess, practically speaking, that could be like, hey, you know, maybe Devin Williams pitches the eighth and ninth one game, and then we see Josh Hader the eighth and ninth for another game. That didn't really come into play in, in 2020. Um, maybe some of that was because of the shortened season. Um, but also, they also had David Phelps, too. And so I felt like that was a reason why Josh Hader wasn't throwing as many innings as, as we were accustomed to him seeing, to, to him throwing. Uh, you know, he was, he, before 2020, he was more of that multi inning sort of guy. They had a much deeper and, and better bullpen, I felt like, in 2020, where they had other guys in high leverage situations that they could go to without really having to tax Josh Hader. So I could see maybe giving, you know, on the off days, Devin Williams getting saves, but really not in, in line where he would necessarily challenge for that spot, I would feel like, just yet, uh, barring a trade or injury, like you said. 
All right. Well, we don't really have, I think, a lot to talk about in terms of prospects for a 2021 uh, impact. Uh, certainly, there are some players that we can look to in dynasty leagues. Uh, but where does Bryce Terang end up in terms of maybe uh, prospects who could make an impact in 2021? Uh, what's the outlook and timetable for him? I wouldn't suspect him to make an impact in 2021. I, I think that you know he's a shortstop, second baseman type, uh, middle infielder. Probably mostly shortstop at this point, but yeah, he's the him and Garrett Mitchell, the 2020 pick, or the 1A, 1B sort of take your pick as far as who you want to call their best prospect. But I don't suspect either of them to to make an impact in 2021, especially not Mitchell and maybe not Terang either. I think 2022 is more realistic for Terang. He's a guy who hasn't even played in class class AA yet. Although I will point out that. He's somebody that the alternate site, the alternate training site could have been more beneficial to just because as opposed to seeing, you know, some of the lower tier talent and say single A or even double A for that matter. um, He was against the Brewers best pitching prospects. And granted, this isn't the best system, but they do have a few really hard throwing and solid left-handed pitchers that that they were, that terrain was facing. And for the most part, he was holding his own um, showing some more power than usual. He could, he could still stand to use maybe 10 or 15 more pounds to his frame. So I just feel like maybe he's a, at least a year away from really making that much of an impact. But he's certainly somebody that's worth putting on your radar um, heading into 2022 at the very least. All right. Well, uh, Will, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us some insight uh, to all different aspects of the Brewers roster and the Brewers organization. So uh, for now, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So, Will, again, really appreciate you uh, dropping in and uh, sharing uh, your knowledge with us uh, on all things Brewers. Oh, of course, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, uh, absolutely our pleasure. So, for Will Salmon and Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be right back here on Wednesday. Mm-hmm.